perform penances in the same way as the first. They bathe in the holy water and by its touch all the dirty material desires in their hearts were cleansed away. They murmured mantras beginning with Omkara and underwent a severe course of austerities. Every Vedic mantra is called Brahma because each mantra is preceded by the Brahma Akshara. Om or Omkara. For example, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Lord Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita 7.8, Pranav Sarva Vedeshu. In all the Vedic mantras, I am represented by Pranava or Omkara. Thus, chanting the Vedic mantras, beginning with Omkara, is directly chanting of Krishna's name. There is no difference whether one chants Omkara or addresses the Lord as Krishna. The, the meaning is the same. But Sri, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has recommended that in this age one chant the Hare Krishna mantra, Hare Nam Eva Kevalam. Although there is no difference between Hare Krishna and the Vedic mantras, beginning with Omkara, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the leader of the spiritual movement for this age, has recommended that one chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama. Narayan Sarovar, also mentioned as Narayan Sarovar. 
So uh, it's a beautiful place where uh, the second set of sons. So we'll just go back into the history of what has been happening in this last chapter and this chapter. So in the beginning of this canto, we heard about pastime of Ajamil, where Ajamil is uh, the glories of uh, chanting is mentioned, where Ajamil is uh, chanting in his last moment, chanting the holy names of Narayan, and then he's getting a second chance, also mentioned in uh, the book, a second chance, pastime is mentioned. <coughs> so, uh, after which, after Sukhdev uh, Goswami finishes the pastime of Ajamil, Parikshit Maharaj is inquiring to Sukhdev Goswami about the secondary creation, tell more about the Visarga. And at that point, Sukhdev Goswami is beginning to explain how the universe was populated in the beginning of this Yuga uh, cycle. At that point, uh, Sukhdev Goswami is narrating the pastime of the Prachetas, how the Prachetas came back from their uh, austerities and clemencies and they saw like everything was covered by forest and then they tried to burn off the forest and then Brahma asked them not to do that. At that point, uh, uh, Marisha was given to Prachetas so that they can create the help in the progeny and from the union of Prachetas and Marisha, uh, Daksha was born. So this is the second birth of Daksha. We heard about Daksha in the beginning of fourth canto. So at that time, uh, Daksha had committed an offence. Uh, we heard like it, it was a long past time. So Daksha commits offence to Lord Shiva and his head was cut off. And then he had to take birth after, he had to perform austerity and take birth again in the sixth Manantara. So for five Manantara he had to uh, perform austerity and now he is appearing again as a Prajapati. So this time he's, uh, Daksha is uh, is performing austerity and again he is pleasing Lord Vishnu and when Lord Vishnu appears he blesses Daksha to help him in creating the populating the universe. Because we see Daksha performed all these austerity and penances and he was able to uh, see the Lord face to face, but because his desires were not pure, he was not completely pure, Lord allowed him to even uh, uh, to uh, populate the universe, to be in the material, uh, to engage in the materialistic activities, the fruitive activities that Srila Prabhupada mentions. So, he was given Akarshini and Akarshini uh, and Daksha produced because this personality, Akarshini was not an ordinary woman she could produce thousands of children. So Lord Vishnu, Lord Narayan, blessed Daksha with uh, a woman who could produce help in the desire of Daksha to produce thousands of children. So with the union of Akashani, Daksha was able to have 10,000 sons, Haryaswas. And these 10,000 sons were sent to perform austerity in Narayan Saras which was the first set of sons, which is mentioned here. <coughs> so they were sent to uh, Narayan Saras to perform austerity by Daksha. After performing austerity is when they were returning. Narayan saw them and thought, these are already great souls. They did not go through the cycle of birth and death or engage into materialistic, materialistic activities. 
So let me preach to them and see if they can be delivered. And so Naradhuni approached Haryaswara, the 10,000 sons of Daksha, and preached to them and uh, narrated a beautiful allegory, allegorical story. And when Naradhuni preached to them, the Haryas, it is mentioned, Haryaswara was so confident that just by the natural intelligence, they could understand the allegory, allegorical story. And there was no need for any explanation to them. And they immediately renounced the uh, material uh, task which was given by Daksha uh, of uh, engaging into the uh, household life. So they were able to give up and they renounced the kingdom and they just, so they renounced the uh, order of the father and they just left for the forest. So Daksha was not happy with that and again uh, when Brahma insisted Daksha to produce another set of children. So Daksha this time produced thousand children and they were Savala. So we are what we are hearing about them in this section. All your sons. Sorry. All sons. All sons. All sons. Thousand sons. So uh, Daksha produces thousand sons and the same instruction is given that he gave to Haryas was 10,000 sons to go and perform austerity at Narayan Sarasan. We hear that the thousand sons are going to Narayan Sarasan performing austerity. Just to give what is coming. Again, Naradhuni preaches to these thousand sons when they are purified and they also renounce. Naradhuni this time does, does not have to preach too much. He just says, just follow what your seniors have done, what your elder brothers have done, and you can just become liberated by engaging the materialistic activity. Just follow the seniors. So the thousand sons also renounce their duty and then they become liberated. At that point, again, uh, Daksha is not happy, curses uh, Naradhuni and the whole pastime un unfolds uh, later on. So what we are hearing here is an uh, interesting part where Daksha, uh, as uh, we had mentioned yesterday in, in class, there is a duty. Everyone is bound by the duty in the Vedic system. Even though Daksha uh, knew that when he sent the first 10,000 sons, the sons just went away. He did not ask the next set of sons to just engage in producing children or engage into the family life. But he asked, we go and perform hostility. So there was certain kind of responsibility as uh, Lord Rishabh Dev mentions in the fifth canto. Guru Nasasya, Swajanu Nasasya, Pita Nasasya, Janni Nasasya, Devam Na Tatsyan, Na Patish Chasasya, Na Mochit Samuketya Vritti. So, uh, Lord Rishabh is mentioning that one should not become a guru, a relative, a father or a mother, a demigod or a husband, if one cannot deliver his dependent from the cycle of birth and death. So these are the positions of responsibility. If one is becoming a guru or a father or a husband or a demigod, these are the responsible positions. One has to fulfill the need of those positions. So here Daksha shows an example, like even though the first set of sons went, but still he is dutifully sending the second sons to perform austerity so that they can produce good progeny in the material world. And this is required because Srila Prabhupada many times in uh, his purports uh, is emphasizing the need for Gargadhan Samskara. Because whenever you are 
going when you get married. In the Vedic system, it was like the first 25 years, the Brahmacharya ashram. People used to go through the Brahmacharya ashram. And then if they want, they can engage into the, they can join the Grahastha ashram. But the training of first 25 years is given where one has performed austerity, where one has performed uh, sastric study. So they have got the right set of mind before they engage into the Grahastha uh, ashram. So when the progeny, when they engage in producing children, the children are automatically Krishna conscious. So they are having the right state of mind. But we see the, in this, uh, in Kaliuga especially, we see those that the, uh, the Brahmachari Ashram has completely disappeared. We don't see many uh, people sending their kids to the Gurukul or to that kind of training is given to the kids. So, uh, it is very important that uh, one goes through this kind of training, at least in the Grahastha Ashram. So, Srila Prabhupada emphasized the need for uh, Garbhadana Sanskara, where one performs certain, where one, perform, uh, where one chants certain number of rounds and performs some kind of austerity before they produce children. And then the uh, children who are produced are Krishna conscious, at least, if not Krishna, at least they are pious. So, that is what we see here in this past time. Daksha is sending that, sending his thousand sons to perform austerity. So, another point that Srila uh, Prabhupada is making in the purport is, in, there is a need for purification in whatever we do. So, what is it that we enjoy the most? So, let me start with this question. If uh, uh, there is a we have got a system of five days of working and then two days of weekends. So in the weekend, what do we do? What do we like to do the most? So if you have been given two days of break from normal uh, routine, what do we like to do? Yeah, Abhay? Um, we just like, you know, like to work and just sit down. You, you'd like to? We, we don't we just sit down. Just sit down and do nothing. <laughs> so yeah. So after five, and this is what most of the people at office they plan to do. So after five days of work, if you and many times Friday is the day of discussing what's on the weekend. And some people have got that kind of a idea. I'm just going to sleep or I'm just going to do nothing. So what else would we like to do if we have been given a break for two play, days? Play. 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 Right? So we like to play. We like to do something different which we don't do in the normal weekday. So, uh, I was reading uh, Chant and Be Happy. And in this introduction, uh, Srila Prabhupada, there is a, there is a nice uh, introduction where Srila Prabhupada is mentioning that initially everyone is trying to satisfy their senses. So that is a, uh, there are five kind of koshas. Uh, it is mentioned in Bhagavad Gita also it is mentioned. Five kind of kosh, five level of koshas. Koshas means bodies. We have got different coverings on us. So the topmost covering is lo known as the Annamaya kosha. Annamaya kosha means it's the, uh, sorry, eating and sleeping. Uh, so that is like the gross material uh, desires. So when a child is born, what is the 
what does he want? What does he ask for? When the, ch when the child is born, that's right, just food. He's not worried about what day or uh, what uh, time of the day it is. All he needs is food. As soon as his stomach is full and his clothes are clean, he will go to sleep. As soon as he is hungry or his clothes are wet, he will start crying. Regardless of what day, time, whether mother, father are sleeping or everyone else is sleeping, doesn't matter. Uh, that is the only need for him. So that is known as Annamaya Koshan, where he is just concerned about eating food. So that is the basic uh, level of understanding. And then above Annamaya Kosha is Pranamaya Kosha. It is interesting, uh, even in uh, <coughs> Bhagavad Gita, this is uh, Ashtanga Yoga process is given. So the Ashtanga Yoga has got eight steps. Yam, Niyam, Pranayam, uh, Yam, Niyam, Asana, Pranayam, Pratyah, Dharana, Dhyana and Samadhi. So this first three, Yam, Niyam, Asana, what does Yam mean? Yam, Niyam means rules and regulations. Asana means postures. So this first three deal with the Anamaya posture. So they are just dealing with the bodily platform. How you can perform your you do your, uh, you follow all the rules, regulations, mm. you sit properly so that you can have a better life. Mm. So exercise and all those things are given in Yam Niyam Asana. And then there is Pranamaya Kosha. Pranamaya Kosha is the breathing, airflow within your body. Uh, Bhagavatam 10, uh, sorry, third canto explains about the 10 kinds of air which are going through within our body. So, the basic is prana. Prana means what we breathe in, inhale. Then apana. Apana is what we, what comes out of the rectum. And then there is a uh, air of digestion, air within the throat, mouth, within the body which circulates. So there are ten times, ten different types of air which are going on in the body. So that is, science is known as pranayam. In Ashtanga Yoga, we hear that. So that is pranamaya kosha. When you understand how your breathing and all your uh, activities of the air are flowing through the body, you come to that level, Pranamaya Kosha. Then higher than Pranamaya Kosha is Gnanamaya Kosha. So Gnanamaya Kosha is where you understand your bodily needs, you understand your breathing processes and then you understand about who you actually are. This is more to do with knowledge part of yourself. So this is again Yam, Niyam, Asan, Pranayam and then you are coming to Pratyahara. Where you are restricting, you are having the knowledge of what is right and wrong. So you are restricting yourself from doing something which is abominable. What should be done and what should not be done. So those kind of restrictions of the sense gratification activities comes from the uh, Nanamaya Kosha. And then higher than that is the Vignanamaya Kosha. Uh, your intelligence is more developed and when your intelligence is more developed what happens you know not only what should be done what should not be done but again you are engaging yourself so annamaya pranamaya are more on the bodily platform which is more on the gross level jnanamaya uh, uh, is more on the mind platform and then vignanamaya is more on the intelligence platform so where your intelligence is purified by the process of studying the Sastra, associating with the devotees, following the process of chanting, which is mentioned here. So by chanting, you develop 
pure intelligence, natural intelligence, by austerity balance we perform, develop natural intelligence. So that Vignan Maya is developed. And then you come to Ananda Maya. Ananda Maya is the natural <coughs> platform where you perform transcendental devotional service. So like this, there are five stages, again, in uh, coming to comparison with Ashtanga Yoga. So Vignan Maya is more of Dharana and Dhyana. And uh, Ananda Maya is more of Samadhi, where you actually feel the bliss. So these are the five uh, levels of koshas, how you can develop. And Vignan, uh, uh, Ananda Maya is on the transcendental platform, which we have mentioned here. Srila uh, uh, Prabhupada's famous audio recording, uh, all of you must have heard. Srila uh, Prabhupada mentioned the transcendental vibration established by the chanting of Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna and Rama. They are the sublime method for reviving our transcendental consciousness. So Srila Prabhupada, uh, this whole lecture uh, nicely mentions about the importance of chanting Hare Krishna and how these three words Hare Krishna and Rama are not ordinary uh, words, they are transcendental. And these words are directly coming from the spiritual world. Mm. So, uh, further I'll read Srila uh, Prabhupada's words. As living spiritual souls, we are all originally Krishna conscious entities. But due to our association with matter from time immemorial, our consciousness is now adulterated with the ad material atmosphere. It's so interesting, Srila Prabhupada uses, when, when you hear Srila Prabhupada, he uses the words. Sometimes he even uh, invents, once uh, Prabhupada was asked, uh, there is no word like fruity in the dictionary. And Srila Prabhupada said, this is my donation to the English dictionary. <laughs> so uh, he uses the specific words which gives us the meaning, which makes us understand what does it mean immediately by hearing that word, fruity. So we can understand which make the activities which have got material desires, fruity mentality. So uh, it, is, it is also mentioned uh, that Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he had memorized the entire dictionary by heart. And when he used to write his books, even the Britishers who used to read those books used to sit with a dictionary to understand what Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur has written. Because he used to use so, so specific words for uh, describing Krishna and uh, devotional service that it was not possible for an ordinary, even Britishers who whose first language, first language is English, they couldn't understand those words. And so this is the quality of a devotee. And this is how uh, Srila Prabhupada is preached uh, uh, to the Western world and given us this. Uh, so Srila Prabhupada is mentioning here, as living spiritual souls, we are all originally Krishna conscious entities. But due to our association with matter from time immemorial, our consciousness is now adulterated in the material atmosphere. The material atmosphere in which we are living now is called Maya or illusion. Maya means that which is not. And we are trying to exploit the resources of material nature, but actually we are becoming more and more entangled in her complexities. Therefore, although we engage in this hard struggle to conquer nature, we are ever more dependent on her. This illusory struggle against material nature can be stopped at once by revival of our eternal Krishna consciousness. And now Srila Prabhupada explains how we can revive our eternal Krishna consciousness. 
चैंटिंग हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे इज अ ट्रांसेंडेंटल प्रोसेस फॉर रिवाइविंग दिस ओरिजिनल प्योर कॉन्शियसनेस बाय चैंटिंग दिस ट्रांसेंडेंटल वाइब्रेशन वी कैन क्लीन्स अवे ऑल मिसगिविंग्स विद इन आवर हार्ट सो श्री प्रभुपाद सिंपली सिंपलीफाइंग द प्रोसेस ऑफ डिवोशनल सर्विस टू जस्ट चैंटिंग ऑफ हरे कृष्णा महामंत्र एंड exactly what it is mentioned in the purport shila prabhupada has given to this verse that just by chanting one can purify his misgivings in the heart further shila prabhupada writes krishna consciousness is not an artificial imposition on the mind it took me a couple of times to read this to perfectly understand what shila prabhupada is not perfectly but just understand what shila prabhupada is trying to mention krishna consciousness is not an artificial imposition on the mind so what does that mean artificial imposition on the mind this got no negative impact on the sorry this got no negative impact on the no negative impact on the mind yes sir natural natural condition of the jiva there is no adulteration thank you so there is no adulteration as prabhupada has explained before that because of our associating with the material atmosphere our consciousness is adulterated whereas this same krishna consciousness or chanting of the hari krishna mantra is not a natural it's it's not an artificial imposition on the mind it is natural this consciousness is original natural energy of the living entity when we hear this transcendental vibration this consciousness is revived so shri prabhupada has explained how chanting of the hari krishna mantra revives our original state reveals us our original state or original nature that we are because right now our consciousness is adulterated so polluted so how does that happen further shlokopad writes this simplest method of meditation is recommended for this age by practical experience also one can perceive that by chanting this mahamantra or the great chanting of for deliverance one can at once feel transcendental ecstasy coming through from the spiritual stratum so this words are not coming that coming a creation or creation of the material uh, modes or it's not material that directly coming from spiritual world this given directly by chaitanya mahaprabhu and it was always there but chaitanya mahaprabhu gave us this mahamantra it is uh, he uh, infused his energies uh, into it so the energy of the lord is infused into it and which makes it transcendental and when we chant this mantra mahamantra it automatically reveals our natural swarupa so this is the process this is one of the easiest process that we can perform in kaliga shila prabhupada again further writes these three words namely hare krishna and rama are the transcendental seeds of the mahamantra the chanting is a spiritual call for the lord and his energies to give protection to the conditioned soul and so the the mahamantra consists of three words hare rama and krishna so prabhupada is mentioning hara or hare is the energy of the lord and rama and krishna krishna and rama are the names of the lord pleasure potency of the lord so this chanting is exactly like the genuine cry of a child for its mother 
Mother Hara helps the devotee achieve the Supreme Father's grace and the Lord's reveal himself to the devotee who chants the mantra sincerely. And so just by chanting Mahamantra sincerely, the Hara or the energy of the Lord reveals us or allows us to have access to our Supreme Father, Krishna. No other means of spiritual realization is as effective in this age of quarrel and hypocrisy as the chanting of the Mahamantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So, Srila Prabhupada in this uh, lecture nicely just summarizes that there is no other process, or in this purport also, Srila Prabhupada is just pointing it down, pinning it down to this conclusion that chanting of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra is the only way one can get out of this clutches of Maya or out of this material world. Uh, I was reading again uh, in the same book, uh, Chant and Be Happy, there was a discussion given between uh, George Harrison and uh, Yokona and uh, John Lennon. And uh, Yokona mentions this point. If Hare Krishna is such a strong, powerful mantra, is there any reason to chant anything else? For instance, you talked about songs and different mantras. Is there any point in chanting another song or mantra? So this was the question asked by Yukona. And Srila Prabhupada mentions that there are many other mantras. I'll just uh, say the summary of the, what Srila Prabhupada has mentioned. So Srila Prabhupada says, there are many other mantras. And chanting of the mantra is nothing new. Naradhuni has been going around the world chanting mantras. And there is nothing wrong with chanting the other mantras. But for deliverance, one has to chant Hare Krishna Mahamantra mm-hmm. on a regular basis, a set number of rounds. It is important that one has to chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Anything else, of course, as it is mentioned, Omkara and all the other Prama Mantras are nothing but Krishna's name. But this Hare Krishna Mahamantra is directly given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Shilaprabhu is writing, it has got the potency of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So that is why this is the Yuga Mantra and we have to chant this mantra. All the other mantras will support this mantra in enhancing our mood. But this mantra is the must. And then John Lennon asked another question uh, related to chanting. If all mantras are just the names of God, then whether it's a secret mantra or an open mantra, it's all the name of God. So it doesn't really make difference, does it? Which one do you sing? And then Srila Prabhupada again makes it does make a difference. Srila so Prabhupada immediately says, starts with, it does make a difference. For instance, in a drug shop, they sell all types of medicine for curing a particular type of disease. But still, you have to get the doctor's prescription in order to get a particular type of medicine. Otherwise, the druggist won't supply you. You might go to the drug shop and say, I'm diseased, please give me this medicine you have. But the druggist will ask you, where is the prescription? Srila so Prabhupada is giving a very nice example saying that there are many mantras, you can chant any of the mantras, but where is the prescription? <laughs> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has given us this prescription that this is the only mantra which needs to be chanted for this age of Kali. So that is why that is our prescription. And then Srila Prabhupada further mentions in the same uh, section saying that the mantra has to be given in parampara. Evam, and he quotes in this verse, Evam parampara kaptam imam so, Sula Prabhupada is saying, if the mantra or the instruction is not coming in the parampara, 
it is lost, it is destroyed over a period of time. So it has to be handed down over parampara. And he quotes another uh, verse in that. He said, Sampradaya vini vihina ye mantraste neshpala mata. So Sula Prabhupada is explaining that if the mantra is not coming down through discipline succession, then it is nishpala, even though you are chanting the same mantra, if it is not given to you in the discipline succession, it is nishpala. It will not make any, it will be of no benefit to you. At that point, uh, uh, John Lennon asked, but it is the same mantra, how can it not have the potency? And Srila Prabhupada is saying, milk touched by the serpent becomes poisonous. So even if you drink the milk which is touched by the serpent, it is nutritious otherwise, but it will be poison if it is touched by the snake, snake or a poisonous snake. So, Srila Prabhupada is saying, the same mantra, unless it has been given down. So, he is emphasizing the point that one has to be in the discipline succession, coming in the parampara. Uh, Srila Prabhupada is giving that instruction. So, as it was mentioned, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the leader of the spiritual uh, movement for this age, has recommended that one chant Hare Krishna mantra. So, who is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? Let's, let's uh, try to understand a few minutes. Who is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? Of course, we all know who is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. Uh, verse Jai Ho, Sai Krishna, Sai Jagannath. Hmm. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu or Gaura uh, Hari is non different. Gauranga Mahaprabhu is non different than Krishna, is non different than Jagannath, Lord Jagannath. So, they are all one and same. But again, uh, uh, in the Abhidila itself it is mentioned, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the combination of Srimati Radharani and Krishna himself. He is not just Krishna, he is Krishna and Radha combined together. And what are the reasons for their appearance? So there are three external and three internal reasons given. Why did Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appear? So the internal reasons are, sorry, external reasons are just to inaugurate because he is a Yuga avatar to inaugurate the Sankirtan movement. So he appeared to inaugurate, establish the Hare Krishna Mahamantra and inaugurate the Sankirtan movement which is the Yuga Dharma. And then he came to give Prema Bhakti. Just by chanting this mantra also it is mentioned, unless we chant Hare Krishna Mahamantra and unless this particular time of the day of Brahma, which is in the middle, uh, Krishna appears and in the same, at the same time Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also appeared. And this is the time when we get Prima Bhakti by chanting this mantra. So, no, none of the other mantras uh, give us Prima Bhakti, but chanting of Hare Krishna Mahamantra gives us the topmost, which is Prima Bhakti. So, this is the second reason why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared. And the third reason is fulfilling the appeal of Advaita Acharya. Advaita Acharya, who is incarnation of Lord Vishnu himself. Who is the incarnation of Lord Vishnu himself gave us the, uh, pray to the Lord to appear to deliver the fallen conditioned souls. So these are the three external reasons mentioned. And there are three internal reasons mentioned why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared. So the first reason mentioned is to understand the greatness of Radha's love for himself. So this is not possible. So in the spiritual world, Srimati Radharani and 
Chit, uh, and uh, Krishna are the eternal consort. So Krishna is the uh, supreme enjoyer and Sumati Radharani is the supreme enjoyer. So uh, Krishna wanted to experience what does it feel to be Srimati Radharani because even though Krishna is enjoying in the spiritual world unlimitedly but it seems like Radharani is enjoying more than Krishna. So Krishna wanted to experience what it, what it will be to so Srimati Radharani is it is mentioned she's, she comes before Krishna so it's mentioned Radha Krishna so Radharani is greater and if you go to Vrindavan everyone chants Radha Radha, nobody chants Krishna Krishna so Radharani's greatness is higher so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted to or Krishna wanted to experience that how come Radharani is greater so let me, the devotee of my devotee is greater than me so let me experience that. So to experience that greatness of Radhan's love for himself, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that was the first reason. Second reason is to taste his own sweetness. By being Krishna, he cannot taste his own sweetness. So Krishna appeared as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as his pure devotee in the mood of Srimati Radharani. So that he can taste his own sweetness as a devotee. And to taste Srimati Radharani's happiness. So Srimati Radharani, who is the epitome of Ladini Shakti. So to taste that Ladini Shakti, what it feels like to be the most happiest person, uh, uh, Krishna appeared as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So these are the three external and internal reasons of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance and because he is Krishna himself, he gives this mantra which enables us to uh, gives this mantra which uh, enables us to access frame of bhakti which is spiritual and which is uh, uh, which is uh, filled with transcendental potences nama makari bahuta nijisharpa saktis tatrapita nimata smarana kama so this mantra is filled Nijasarva Sakti is all the energies of the Lord are infused in this mantra. So when we chant this mantra, we straight away get access to the topmost rasa, which is the frame of of the spiritual world. It's interesting, uh, I'll uh, finish with this. So how can we see the practical in, uh, Application, practical application of this uh, chanting of Hare Krishna Mahamantra because in theory it all sounds good but how can we understand that this mantra is really potent this mantra still uh, it works <coughs> so of course in the first section of this canto we heard about Ajami Pasan uh, but again that all looks uh, yeah of course Ajami is from a different age uh, Yamdutas appeared and so Something which is of this age, how can we understand this mantra still works? And then uh, we can see this from the life of Srila Prabhupada. Srila Prabhupada, when he was on Jaladuta, he was praying. In his poem, he wrote that, uh, I'll just read that. Absorbed in material life, these Americans think themselves very happy and satisfied. And therefore, they have no taste for the transcendental message of Vasudeva Krishna. 
But I know that you, your process mercy can make everything possible. Because you are the most expert mystic, how will I make them understand this message of Krishna consciousness? Oh Lord, I am simply praying to you, praying for your mercy so that I will be able to convince them about your message. I am seeking your benedictions. I have no devotion, nor do I have any knowledge. But I have strong faith in the holy name of Krishna. So that's what Srila Prabhupada is writing. That, of course, uh, out of humility is writing that he has no devotion or he has no knowledge about Krishna. But he is saying, I have strong faith in the holy names of Krishna. So we can see Srila Prabhupada had this faith that all he brought to U.S. was, it is, it is mentioned uh, in the language when we read, uh, in 1922 when Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Goswami Maharaj gave instruction in that uh, discourse to Srila Prabhupada to go to West and preach. And when did Srila Prabhupada go to the U.S.? 1965. 65. Hmm? September, 17 September, September 65, 1965 he reached the harbor, Boston, Boston Harbor, right? So, that that point, uh, Srila Prabhupada, it's mentioned the lifetime of preparation. After that, he reached US and at that point he's writing, I've just got faith in the holy names of the Lord and this is what I'm, it is mentioned, he brought something, uh, $8 or something equivalent to rupees to West. Imagine, imagine coming to Australia with $8 or equivalent, probably $200 or $300 probably. We wouldn't be able to survive a day. But for seven months, Srila Prabhupada lived with, uh, with different different people uh, in the uh, US. And then finally in 1966 is when uh, Srila Prabhupada uh, uh, met uh, Harvey Cohen, who offered him. Uh, there were a few devotees who, uh, who were coming on and off. And then Harvey Cohen offered him the place in the loft to stay on Manhattan Broadway. And then Srila Prabhupada started the three days classes, Monday, Wednesday and Friday, he started these classes. And all he used to do in the evenings was chanting Hare Krishna Mahamantra. So he used to chant Hare Krishna Mahamantra for half an hour or so, and then about five, ten minutes he used to give class. Because it is explained that in those days the people who used to come, they were not so, they were drug addicts, uh, artists, uh, they were more like uh, the words used were Bomanians. Mm. So they did not know anything about Krishna. Mm. But they could understand, they could relate to the sound vibration. And uh, it's interesting, uh, it is mentioned, Havi uh, Kohan mentions in his narration uh, uh, that Srila Prabhupada used to chant a simple mantra, the three, uh, one, two, three mantra, uh, which we uh, hear in the recordings. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. That was a simple, uh, it is mentioned, the, he used to break, break this four syllables, mantra, and one, two, three, he used to play on his kartas. So it was a simple mantra which he used to chant, nothing fancy. Simple mantra for half an hour in that bowery. And then, a simple four note phrase. The first four note phrase of a major scale. Prabhupada led the Kirtan with 
a small three-inch diameter hand temples he had brought with him from India. And he would ring them, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. So, nothing fancy. But after a few months, uh, more devotees started coming. And then that Srila uh, Prabhupada's followers gave him a better place in the second avenue location. And from there, it is mentioned that the entire, the, what is it called? Sorry? Journey or uh, the explosion, sorry, it is my Hare Krishna explosion began. So it is mentioned from that storefront, Shila Prabhupada used to chant this mantra, have those three day classes and go to Tompkins Square Park. And he used to, all he used to do there was chant for hours. That's all he used to do. So this is what Shila Prabhupada did. He did not speak high end philosophy or try to. Um, convince them by different yogi postures or anything. No, this was a simple method, just chanting the Hare Krishna Mahamudra. And uh, devotees are saying that when Prabhupada's kirtans were loud, lively and captivating, with numerous guests spontaneously raising their feet, hands and clapping and dancing. So many caught on to the chanting of Hare Krishna. Uh, many soon caught on that chanting Hare Krishna was an intense and effective form of meditation, a direct means of communicating with something greater than themselves, no matter what their conception of the Absolute. And so the, all, the, all that the devotees could understand was uh, the chanting had some mystic power. <coughs> and then Srila Prabhupada initiated the first disciples in September of 1966, at which time about dozen students Vow to chant minimum of 16 rounds a day on their beads. And Prabhupada's flock soon began to print and distribute invitations and leaflets such as this one. This is interesting, uh, where uh, the devotees then started sending out leaflets and uh, flyers. And what was mentioned on those flyers? Practice the transcendental sound vibration. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. This chanting will cleanse the dust from the mirror of your mind, another invitation, uh, another invited American youth to stay high forever, no more coming down. <clears throat> Practice Krishna consciousness, expand your consciousness by practicing the transcendental sound vibration. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So this is all they could understand and this is the most important uh, message they could understand. So uh, the devotees, those days could understand that this is not normal mantra. It is stay high for ever. And uh, finally it is written, the chanting of the Hare Krishna seemed to spread in almost magical way. And as time went on, the number of people attracted to it increased exponentially. Even in this unlikely New York setting, the mantra seemed to have its own life. Whether it was melody, the beat, the sound of the words, the look of the devotees, or Prabhupada's humility and serenity, nearly everyone who then came in touch with the chanting of Hare Krishna responded favorably. And another uh, message wrote, uh, mentioned was, Swami's, and this was, uh, this was a newspaper headline, Swami's flock chants in park to find ecstasy. So, 
and uh, it is mentioned. Hare Krishna Mahamantra has replaced LSD and other drugs for many of Swami's followers. Save Earth now and in large type, just below that picture, the Mahamantra was printed. So for everything, the answer was chanting Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Consciousness expansion that's sweeter than acid, cheaper than pot, and non-perspicable by first. <laughs> so, another one uh, mentioned, living, living visible tangible proof that God is alive and well. Chant Hare Krishna Mahamantra. So, and find, uh, the final message, uh, there is no coming down from this. I can always do this anytime, anywhere. It is always with you. This was mentioned uh, by Srila Prabhupada's disciples. So finding it superior to the euphoria from any kind of drug, he said, there is no coming down anymore. So this was the proof that people who have no knowledge about Krishna, no knowledge about spirituality, just kind of basic, uh, they were used to LSD and they were frustrated with uh, all the things, wars and everything uh, that was going on then, all they did, all Srila Prabhupada did was chant Hare Krishna Mahamudra. And they could relate to it, they could understand it, they, can, they could find that this was not something ordinary, this was something superior. So, yeah, I'll stop here. Are there any questions, comments, corrections? Sorry, what is it? Artificial chanting is not okay. So when you begin your chanting, it is artificial. Did I say artificial chanting is not okay? Imposition on the mind. Yeah, it's it's not artificial chanting. So when we are, of course, when we are chanting initially, we are not fortunate uh, like these devotees are uh, to immediately understand the glories of holy name. I don't have love for chanting the holy names of the Lord. So. Yes, initially we are chanting in the mood of doing it as a regulatory practice. But the holy name is powerful, it will reveal to us, it will give us the taste. So eventually it will become natural. But yeah, initially we have to chant in an artificial mood. We are not on that platform where we can directly taste the nectar in the holy name. Did I answer? Yes, Prabhupada. Uh, you mentioned some names. So can you use more names to have Prabhupada in the establishment of Sikhism? Yeah, so initially it was Harvey Cohen and then uh, Alan Gillsworth and many devotees are mentioned. Uh, if you read Milan, they George Harrison. George Harrison and all of them were when they. And Rukundu Goswami. Rukundu Goswami and all of them were there. 
Okay. Und zwar hier. Danke, dass du mal ein paar Minuten